Hello, Matthew. Nice to see you again. Uh, I think spring is getting close finally, but uh, my name is Stephen Roman. I'm the founder, uh, chairman, president, and CEO of Global Atomic Corporation. And uh, we're uh, an exciting business with uh, both uranium and zinc, commodities that look good these days. So uh, pleased to be here this morning and answer your questions. Well, good to see you, Stephen. Um, look, I just wanted to catch up. Obviously, things have been progressing um, apace with you guys um, over there in Niger and also over in Turkey. Um, and, and, and it's to that I want to uh, talk to you about, which is we've been seeing some sorts of some commentary in the market about the difficulties of doing business in Africa. Um, you are a $800 million company now. I think we were talking to you when you were about 40 million uh, bucks uh, back in the day. So something's going right. So, you know, is there, are these reports of um, Africa being overstated? Matthew, uh, Africa is a huge continent. Uh, it's produced a wide variety of minerals from various countries over decades. And uh, that's not going to stop. So in Niger, particularly where we are currently, and I've worked in many African countries uh, in mining and oil and gas, uh, we've uh, had successful projects in a number of African countries. We entered Niger in 2005. Uh, we've got a project there that is the largest, highest grade uranium deposit in the, on the whole continent, not just Africa, not just Niger, sorry. And uh, the government is, is hugely supportive. This, this uh, commodity, uranium, was the main uh, revenue generator for the entire country. So 70% of its revenue over the years has been coming from uranium mining. Uh, they're very supportive of uranium mining. They're, uh, they're a country that's aligned with the West. They have a good mineral code there, uh, fair taxation. And that's why we went there. They were opening the country for new foreign investment in 2005. We went through historical records. We picked areas that looked prospective. And in 2010, we made a huge discovery there. These are elephant-sized deposits. Uh, they're very excited. We got our mining permit in three months uh, after we made our submission to the government. And we're going to be uh, one of the first uh, new uranium mines on the African continent getting out of the block and, and starting production in January of 2025. Uh, it's, it's very exciting for both uh, our company, our shareholders, but also for the country. So there, there are two major mines, Somer and Comanac, that were operated by the government of France through their company Arriva, which is now called Arano Mining. Uh, they, were, they were running those two mines for 50 years. They were developed in 1970-71. Kumanak just shut down after 50 years of mining in, uh, in March of last year. And now the government, of course, are, they're really pushing us to get our mine up and running so that we can hire a lot of those people that were let go when that mine was exhausted. So a 50-year mine life, that's what we're targeting here at the DASA project. It's high grade. Uh, we've completed a bankable feasibility study. We're now in the construction phase. So we released uh, the other day our, our first blast video. I think a lot of people have seen that. 
we're excavating now the box cut. We're going to start underground uh, in April by collaring the portal and getting underground. So uh, we, we think Africa is a great place to do business. They're very supportive. There's been countries, there's, I don't know, 76 countries in Africa. Some of them have been less supportive. Uh, some companies have uh, had the government want larger pieces of the pie. Um, in, in Niger, uh, we haven't had that experience. Arano has not had that experience. Uh, it's been steady state production there for many, many decades. So as far, so, as, you're, uh, we're, yeah, as, far as you're concerned, it's investable. Investors should not shy away from projects or companies which are in Africa. You're obviously Niger is very specifically saying they are supportive of you and what you're trying to do. And in terms of allowing you to do business, is it any different from doing business anywhere else in the world and all of the other countries that you have worked in? Well, uh, just just to finish off on Niger, they're, they're now oil and gas producers. Uh, they're gold producers. They, uh, they uh, are uranium producers. And compared to other countries I've worked in, of course, uh, I've worked a lot in Canada um, uh, and in the Athabasca Basin. The, the big issue there, some fantastic deposits, there's no doubt about it, but permitting timelines are very, very long, very long. Uh, we had one project at Denison that was uh, called Midwest. It took us 30 years to permit that operation to start mining, if you can believe it. I mean, that's three decades. Uh, typically, they're at least a decade, maybe 15 years to permit there. So I don't know when those fantastic deposits will come on stream, but uh, compared to that, uh, working in Niger is a piece of cake. Okay, look, and, so, I, and, and I don't want to debate like them or us. I think all of the above is required. It's just a question. No, listen, listen, Matt. I mean, the the market needs all the uranium that is currently been discovered out there and more. So we're all on the same team. We, we do want to support each other and have these projects reach the stage where they can get into production and fuel a, a green power solution, nuclear power. I think everybody's now bought into the fact that this has got to provide a good base load. And we need all these deposits. We need the Canadian deposits, American deposits, the African deposits, Australian. Uh, but it's a matter of when do they come on stream and, and what's the timing of that production. So this is important. This is important for us. And, you know, we've been in the country 17 years now and uh, we've uh, developed this project over a period of very bad uranium markets uh, subsequent to Fukushima. But we knew we had a tiger by the tail and there's just nothing like the DASA project in Africa. I mean, this is this is a standout project. Okay, so what I'm hearing is we need all of the above. It's just a question of the order of play. So your project is one of the nearest, well, nearest to production projects, and there's a couple of others in Africa um, too. Um, and you, what he's saying, investors should be looking more at projects like yours for now, and then look at well no i think i think i mean from from an investor's point of view you've got to have uh some diversification in your uranium portfolio so for instance myself i own some chemical i own some next gen i own global atomic 
So, you know, every, every project has its own merits and, uh, you know, you have to have a balanced portfolio, but for an African project, of course, there's a, a number of them. There's some that are further advanced than others, but I think you have to have a bit of global atomic in your portfolio because we're expecting to turn on the yellow cake production by January of 2025. Okay, so right, so that's that's it. And you you did actually um, put out a corporate update um, uh, recently, so perhaps won't go over old old ground there. Uh, Suffice to say that things are moving along as planned. Um, I do want to talk about Turkey just a little bit in terms of how is that? Because you're you're coming up to the imminent period of having the ability to having paid down the, 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 the debt and actually it being a uh, contribution towards your bottom line soon. Are we, are we going to see that in 2023? Yes, yes. Uh, so uh, what we did, we, we had basically all the debt paid off at the end of 2021. We decided to use some of that cash to acquire raw materials, basically that we need for our operation there. Uh, we don't know about supply chain issues and all of the nonsense going on, uh, as everybody's aware now. So best for us to be secure. So we did that. Uh, we deferred the uh, final payment of the debt until the end of Q1 this year. So we should be pretty much paid out in the next month or so. Uh, we do get our management fees and sales commissions every month. And then once a year, we we have a dividend uh, distribution to the partners ourselves and Befeza. So we, we announced a long time ago that those distributions would start again in uh, 2023. And we're on schedule for that. Okay, well, let's talk about the markets, if you don't mind. Because, like I say, you, you put out, you, you put out a, a, a corporate update. Like everyone knows, kind of where you're at. You've been quite good at talking to the marketplace. I want to talk about some of the things that perhaps don't get the the light shone on them with it, which is obviously um, recent events: Russia, Ukraine, um, the relationship between Kazakhstan, uh, sorry, Kazakhstan and Russia, people are a little bit suspect as to, you know, who's pulling the strings there. Kazatomprom, 25% of the world's production um, you know, on its own, let alone its joint venture, um, start production too. It, do, where, do you, where do you think that is uh, going to go in ter- terms of that narrative? Not necessarily the uranium, but the narrative, because it, Kazatomprom um, supplies into the U.S., supplies you know you're at us um with with some of its needs um it supplies into the the west um do you think we're going to get this kind of bifurcated market where we're seeing a russia chinese um consortium versus the the rest of the world i mean what 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 does the market look like to you that's a complex question Uh, Geopolitically, I think it's fairly obvious that the Russians and the Chinese are uh, fairly aligned in uh, their thinking and they're working together. Kazakhstan, of course, uh, when they ran into troubles, they asked the Russians to come in with their troops to quell any sort of uprisings there. So one has to wonder a little bit about where their alignment is. So as far as... uh, utilities out there right now i i think i mean if i were utilities i'd want to start hedging my bets a little bit and getting a little bit nervous about securing supply a lot of them only have two or three years of stockpile on board i think i'd be pushing that out to five or ten years and 
and really getting into the market again. I mean, they've really been sitting on the sidelines for a long time and sort of doing little bits and pieces to pick up a few pounds here and there. Cameco announced that they signed a deal for about 50 million pounds the other day. But uh, in, in aggregate, I would say that most of the utilities are still out there sort of hoping the prices are come down, which I, I don't think that's going to happen. It's a, it's a very tricky um, balance because um, I think before the, before the Russia-Ukraine um, situation, it felt like the utilities were just sitting back waiting to sort of see if this spot physical uranium trust was actually going to have any bearing on the market whatsoever. Yes, they're spending a lot of money. Yes, they're removing pounds from the market, but n- not in it. And more than it had, more than, you know, the, the, the incumbents had done previously, but not in a way which terrified utilities. I mean, were you, were you getting, um, were you getting contacting you before the Russia situation? Was I getting we, well, contact? Well, getting contact from by the utilities and saying, "Hey, would you mind sort of you know bidding on these RFPs for us? We're trying to get a sense." Well, of Well, you know out what? There. I think I think uh, since the Russia situation and the uranium price, I noticed this morning Nymex was at forty six dollars a pound on the spot. Uh, I think we're getting starting to get more interest coming in from utilities, definitely. So we'll we'll see what happens over the next month or two. Uh, but I believe realistically they thought maybe the prices would ease up a bit uh, and that spot wouldn't have a, a long-term effect on the market. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's, uh, we're, in a, we're in a good place right now. I believe uh, really realistically the, the nuclear industry is going to be uh, in a renaissance period here. Right, I, but I'm trying. I'm trying to work out if there's any kind of violent move in the price because you know it, it has violent has move. Violent move, you know, because we we talked about a year ago. It's at thirty bucks. It's it's moved to forty five, forty six. I mean, that's 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 great, but it's been so steady accretive growth, and you know, Spot Physical Uranium Trust has been responsible for a significant portion of that, significant portion, if not most most of it. Um, but do you, do, you, do you think they can be relied on to keep driving that price up steadily as, as they buy? Or is it going to be something more violent than that? No, I think it'll be more violent than that. I think when, when the utilities decide to move, uh, you're going to see the price spike again quite a bit. So, I mean, Spud is a financial player, obviously. They pick away at the market. They, they pick up some spot whenever they can get some, but... They're not, they're not a huge factor in overall percentage point of view for the overall uranium market. Um, you know, as far as uh, a real uh, spike in the price, uh, it depends what's happening with Russia and Ukraine, whether the other part of NATO, NATO countries get involved with this whole situation. I mean, hopefully it's not going to disintegrate into a, a major catastrophe for the world here. Because uh, that that's going to really have an impact on people trying to keep the lights on and and getting getting uranium for their nuclear reactors. So uh, time will tell, Matt. I guess. Well, I guess that's the other thing. Obviously, in terms of energy security, um, do you think we talk about Renaissance? Do you think that um, that energy security issues, which are highlighted by the fact that the Russians can turn off the Nord Stream One and well, and Nord Stream Two's not going to get off the ground? Um, that that gas looks like it's going to go stop going um, west and start going east uh, now. 
Um, yeah, that's problematic. But there's a, there's a, there's a gap between you know countries agreeing to um, you know nuclear as the solution of the EU taxonomy recently suggests that they are at least on board with with nuclear as a, as a green energy. Um, but the infrastructure required is billions of dollars. It takes time. There's a there's a lot of processes to go through. So between now and then. Do you, do you think that energy prices will come un, under pressure? And you know what? How do the governments respond to that? Well, the governments with nuclear reactors are going to be sitting in pretty good shape. Uh, the ones like Germany that decide to shut them all down are going to be reliant on on France to supply all their power, or they're going to start burning a lot of coal. Uh, you know, there's there's just uh, there's some countries that are definitely much better placed than others. Uh, the ones that don't have nuclear power will end up buying power from a na- neighboring country uh, and trying to suffice, suffice without a lot of Russian gas coming in. Uh, it's it's a dilemma, I would say, for a lot of countries in Europe so, because they become reliant on Russian gas. They, they, well, they, 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 they totally are. And I, th- I think that, that's been all the more apparent recently. Um, which kind of then kind of begs the question. So coming back to the Africa components, you know, Africa's always been the playground for the Chinese in terms of acquisitions and so forth. You know, not not least of all Niger um, in in all of this. Do you think that um, that will continue to be the case, or do you think there will be groups um, recognizing that the 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 pressure we're going to come under for this um, energy security and re- replace this chi- these Chinese dollars that have been coming into um you know buy up all of the uh, all of these kind of uranium um projects out there i mean where, where how's this going to break down like where, where's the where's the money coming from because you guys may get into production but you'll want an exit of some some sort at some time do you do you look east but you know would you be restricted from looking east because of any kind of russian connections do you look do you look west and if so who's got the deep pockets that are going to you know roll these things up, Matthew? Maybe we use this as a uh, a base, a company building asset that allows us to grow this company to fifty dollars a share. Uh, you know, there's there's no reason when you have a an asset this good that you'd want to bail out too early. Uh, clearly, there's a lot of interest from various countries now uh, that have had discussions with us about. Uh, a corporate sort of deal, but it's it's way too early. And I think uh, just like any other big company that used to be a small company, uh, tech is a good example. And Canadian company trading at $48 a share right now, they started as a, a little small discovery of a copper project in Ontario and grew this asset into a a major worldwide company. Well, there's no reason why Global Atomic can't do the same thing with the asset that we have. 